Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Thursday, March 2nd in Hong Kong, Wednesday, March 1st in New York. And coming up today, the S&P slumps as Fed officials reinforce their hawkish stance. TikTok is imposing time limits on teens to prevent binges. And SoftBank's Arm Limited chip unit is said to be ruling out a UK listing for now while it plans a US IPO. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken says he will not meet with his China and Russia counterparts at the G20. She welcomes Lukashenko and talks to support China's Ukraine peace plan. NATO top man says Ukraine will join NATO at some point. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Well, let's get to the Fed officials reinforcing their hawkish stance. Atlanta Fed President Rafael Bostic said that interest rates would need to rise between five and five and a quarter percent to that level. And he thinks that rates would need to remain there until well into 2024 to curb inflation. In the meantime, Minneapolis Fed Chief Neil Kashkari said that he's concerned that the Fed rate hikes aren't slowing down the services sector. And he has yet to decide what the size of the Fed's next rate hike should be. I'm open-minded at this point about whether it's 25 or 50 basis points. To me, much what's much more important than whether it's 25 or 50 is what we signal in what's called the dot plot. Minutes from the Fed's last meeting showed that a few participants favored or could have supported a half a point rate hike. Fed officials will next meet to discuss monetary policy on March 21st. Well, we mentioned a moment ago that China's economy is showing very strong signs of an impressive rebound. The official PMI for the manufacturing side posted its biggest improvement in more than a decade in the month of February question becomes, what are the implications? Well, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says this is a China story. It is not a global growth story. So, yes, it's very good for China equities and maybe some Asian economies that can can gear off of that, but not so much the U.S. stock market, which isn't that geared to China growth. That is Mike Wilson there. He sees pretty strong headwinds for the American equity market, and they may increase further in the month of March. Wilson saying that stocks will come under pressure from faltering earnings and high valuations. TikTok says it will automatically impose a 60-minute time limit for users under the age of 18. That story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann. Younger users will need to enter a password if they want to continue watching after hitting the one-hour limit. Parents and other adults will be able to monitor the amount of time teens spend on the app. 
Why the new move? Well, TikTok has been facing intense global scrutiny for two main reasons. One, does the company present a U.S. national security risk? And two, how are younger users being influenced by the app's addictive nature and the content they consume? The 60-minute time limit is TikTok's latest approach to address concerns about the app's impact on teens. And on the other point, a group of U.S. state attorneys general are investigating the potential harm the app might pose for younger users. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The semiconductor unit of SoftBank, this is Arm Limited, has decided not to sell on the London Stock Exchange, at least for now. We have more from Bloomberg's David Inglis. We are told that Arm will instead focus on a sole listing in New York later this year. SoftBank founder Masayoshi Son has repeatedly said that this is his primary focus. He maintains that the U.S. has a deep investor base and attractive valuations. Now, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak had been courting Arm and its backer for a London listing. For the time being, Arm will keep its headquarters in Cambridge, England, and it hasn't ruled out the potential for a secondary listing in London, but our sources say it's unlikely. In Hong Kong, I'm David Inglis, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And back in the United States, San Francisco-based Salesforce delivered a surprisingly upbeat forecast for the coming year. The company also plans to step up stock buybacks. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It potentially eases the pressure it faces from a number of activist investors. The software giant said operating margin will be about 27% in fiscal 2024, which runs through next January. This exceeds an average analyst estimate of 22.4%, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. Salesforce also said it increased its share repurchase program to $20 billion. The outlook suggests that profitability is now a top priority for the cloud applications pioneer, which spent years more focused on growth. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Charlie, thank you. Salesforce up 15% in late trading, and that's even after the stock gained 2.3% in the regular session. So, Doug, we're seeing here that investors are really looking at individual stories. Uh, you can't really buy the index now. You can't really buy the fangs. And if you look at the index levels, we've been chopping around between 3,800 and 4,200 for 10 months now. So it's not like we're making any dramatic uh, big changes here. It's been almost sideways movement. And I wanted to add that the market is now out in front of the Fed on where the terminal rate should be. So we can't really talk about complacency. The swaps market has the terminal rate around 5.5%. Kashkari was at 5.4% and Bostik at between 5 and 5.25%. And, and it's the data that matters the most. Absolutely. And if you're talking about surprises, Brian, I think we have to focus on what uh, China delivered overnight. That PMI number, faster, much faster than top officials in Beijing had expected. A lot of that may be just a quick rebound after the holiday, and it may not stick. And to Mike Wilson's point, uh, we know he's sort of talking his book because he's bearish, but then they should talk their book. This is what they maintain, and they should they should reinforce it. Yeah, and against that backdrop, I think we have to include a weak outlook for global growth, right, given the fact that interest rates are rising. There is also a, qu- a question around demand for Chinese exports. Maybe they will remain weak through the remainder of the year because of expected softness in the U.S. and in Europe. And I think we have to include as a part of the story the tension over technology and geopolitical risk, especially between the U.S. and China. 
Yeah, certainly a lot of risks out there. And this PMI story does not tell the whole story. All right. It's time now for global news. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says he will not meet with his Chinese or Russian counterparts at the G20. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed. Yeah, that's right, Brian. And his statement is very terse. Quote, no plans to see either at the G20. Now, this on his last stop in Central Asia trip, pledging lasting support to Central Asia. We've been committed and remain committed to standing for the sovereignty, the territorial integrity, the independence, not only of Ukraine, but for countries across Central Asia and indeed around the world. Now, Blinken did add he may participate in group sessions alongside those diplomats, but no meetings. Meanwhile, Chinese President Xi Jinping has welcomed Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko, a close Russian ally. These talks are being watched very closely to see if there's an expansion of China-Russia-Belarus coordination. Lukashenko told Xi that Belarus, quote, fully supports the initiative you put forward, referring to the so-called peace plan put forward by China. Xi responding, the globe must stick to political means and abandon the Cold War mindset. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says a plan for Ukraine is to join NATO long term. NATO allies have agreed that Ukraine will become a member of our alliance, but at the same time that that is a long-term perspective. Stoltenberg says the interim, the alliance needs to make sure that Ukraine has all the things it needs to defend itself from Russia's aggression. U.S. President Joe Biden has officially nominated Deputy Labor Secretary Julie Su to lead the department, and she has accepted. She's increased the minimum wage, cracked down on wage theft, protected, protected trafficked workers, established and enforced workplace safety standards. We have never had a president who has made workers worker well-being, and worker power so central to his vision of a strong nation and a strong economy. Sue replaces Marty Walsh, who's leaving to head the NHL Players Union. So something that Sue will be looking at in the course of, of course, is a manufacturer reports that money is being invested in the chip sector now, the U.S. at a growing rate. A representative, Haley Stevens, a Democrat from Michigan, has been a big supporter and organizer of the effort. And on Bloomberg's Balance of Power, she says the private sector is definitely jumping in now. Last night on the select committee, for, for China competitiveness, that that investment in chips manufacturing out of that legislation, David, $50 billion has already begun $200 billion in private sector investment. So this is really exciting. Folks are lining up. Monies are coming in. And Stephen says really helping U.S. auto manufacturers and realizing stability for investors. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CutterEconomicForum.com. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis with Rashad Salamat. And our guest is Shaolin Chen, head of international at Crane Shares with us here live on the program. So Chen Shaolin, I'm curious whether you think the market, the Fed, and the data are all more or less on the same page. And if not, who's got it right? Good morning, Brian. Um, I think the data is telling the story, is reassuring what is happening, underlying uh, companies, underlying sectors, underlying industries are recovering, which is a great news to see the policies introduced thus far by the Chinese policymakers in China domestically is working. Uh, the strong rebound uh, from the PMI data yesterday is confirming that status that China not only back on track, the new orders, the new exports orders, manufacturing service sector, uh, construction sector, you name it. Almost all the data are now showing at the expansionary uh, territory. So it's very pleased to see data is reflecting uh, the current status of China is now starting to recovery. Uh, very good news to see that uh, uh, shows but, very positively. But it, it's, still it's, it's still seasonal in nature, isn't it? We usually take January and February and we kind of, uh, not exactly with a grain of salt, but you have to factor that in. January, certainly. Uh, this year, there's a new year. There's a Chinese new year uh, in January data. February, uh, less seasonal. Uh, but it's the good sign to me f- from all these data is the return of the labor force. Uh, the return of the small enterprise picking up in their uh, services, in their manufacturing activity. Those are the key drivers for Chinese economy to continue to grow from here. Uh, well, Xiaolin, is, okay, you're looking sure. from a market's perspective, though, you know, is, was that data enough to, and, you know, other data which is positive enough to give um, the uh, markets, Chinese stocks, um, the momentum to go on an upward trajectory there? The momentum was from the October uh, relaxation of the COVID and thus far all the uh, subsequent um, simplified measure completely removed. That is sentiment uh, relief. That is sentiment ready. Uh, key catalyst for that. And that's why you see the companies get oversold like platform company in China, namely internet, get rebounded almost 97% to the peak of uh, uh, last few weeks before. And you see a bit of a recent pullback. People are waiting for more fundamentally whereas the economy is at. I think the PMI obviously is not uh, you know, reflecting the down path, but it's giving you a good indication now. Uh, it's a reassure the investors the underlying economy is rebounding. That is the uh, good sign. It's almost served as a link, as a bridge uh, to almost lead you to more reassured, the growing so, evidence of the economy is doing well down the path. So so would, would retail sales then be the next really important da- uh, data check or data... Uh, point because we're curious about consumption? You're absolutely right. Consumption and policy uh, are the two key things we're going to watch very carefully. You got to have uh, you got to have to have uh, a supportive policies to help the consumption, to help the people living in the city, to help the private firms. Uh, and thus far, you've got to see the uh, retail, the sales, um, and in all aspects to see consumption to recover, labor force to recover even more for young people, and what it would be the policy to support the corporate. Uh, I would expect more uh, signal or more direction to be set at NPC uh, in this um, weekend that's going to kick off, uh, particularly on tax cuts uh, from all aspects. Policy got to follow. 
Yeah, and I think you're looking at the two P's here, are you not? Mm -hmm. I'm a, yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, the people and the policy, you're absolutely right. We want to look for uh, who would be the new leadership uh, for the uh, some of the key uh, positions, key senior leadership at the Chinese policy making, uh, particularly the NPC. We want to have the confirmation who would be the new premier. Uh, that's why from there, their backgrounds, uh, what's the knowledge, uh, experience they can bring to the table when making policies, which is matters for China for the next five years. Policy, physical spending is absolutely the key. Uh, China needs to stand up and they will stand up more. Is it an over-characterization that, um, the, that Xi Jinping will put more party functionaries in to run these businesses and that that is a potential negative? Is that too broad a stroke? I think you got to see who uh, he has been appointing, what's the backgrounds they bring to the table. Sassafadi, for instance, the new foreign minister, he had a very broad experience of working with U.S. He's highly regarded. He's seen as a person who can manage big relationship and get that smooth, get that yeah. move forward more constructively. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York. Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way from design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.